2: It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all in one page. Plus, start betting on the Explorer page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gambling. Please visit theringer.com backslash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older and present in select states gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com backslash RG. This episode is brought to you by Sonic. Fuel up for game day and any day, really, at Sonic for a limited time you can get the new $1.99 Sonic Crispy Tender Wraps. And trust me, you don't want to miss out. A crispy chicken tender and bold flavors like Hickory Barbecue and Cheesy Baja. Crisp lettuce and melty cheese that make the perfect bite. So go get yourself some TLC, some tender love and chicken. And buy a $1.99 Sonic Crispy Chicken Tender Wrap today. Tax not included. Limited time only at participated Sonic drive-ins.
0: And welcome to Group Chat. I am Justin Barrier and joining me Big Waz and Marvel Podcaster Extraordinaire Rob Mahoney. What's up, boys?
1: It's my new gig. I'm over there. You know, I felt I felt like I need a little more on the plate. So we're 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 talking Loki over on House of R this week. But if you guys want to get into Loki here too, we could do another cool two hours on it. Maybe
0: not Loki, but I I'm predicting. In the two-hour range for this podcast, which is part five, the dramatic conclusion, the end game, if you will, uh, of the preseason power rankings. We were trying to figure out how many hours we've done thus far and how many we'll do after this episode. I I think we're pushing eight, nine. It's getting up there.
3: It's this is, has been an amazing series, and I just want to tell Rob that I don't pod about men in tights unless it's the New York Jets. Come on, man.
1: <laughs> already dropping lines, already dropping bars. Man.
3: Come on, man, we can't do this Marvel stuff. Over
1: <laughs> well, I have bad news for our company's business model, <laughs> Um, All right, same drill
0: as the previous four episodes. We all put in ballots. We all aggregated the rankings. Actually, we all didn't. I did. <laughs> Isaiah Blakely broke the ties. We're talking top five teams. We're talking existential yep. questions. We're talking essential questions, too, sometimes, maybe. Uh, and also swing players for every team. Rob, you look like you, you want to say something.
1: I do want to say something, which is, you know, we broke up these recordings, recording our first half, the previous installment, on Tuesday. You may have just heard it. It just popped up in your feed. On that episode, I may have mentioned that James Harden hadn't really been that disruptive yet for Mm. the Sixers. And we are learning (laughs) before recording on Wednesday. Now he's just like no showing to Sixers Mm. practice. Apparently there is, you know, things are are hitting a bit more of a, a, a rolling boil for our friends, the Philadelphia 76ers. So I just wanted to acknowledge that, you know what? I shouldn't have said it, Sixers fans. I apologize for putting that out into the world that James Harden had not been disruptive enough because he has answered the call, as as he always does, as we know.
0: Well, setting the record straight right off the bat, group chat regrets the error, which isn't really, really an error so much yeah. as just blind optimism in James Harden.
1: <laughs> I gave him a lot of credit, and I, I instantly regret it. Blind yeah, no, optimism.
0: <laughs> There's a there's a lot I think we would probably take back in terms of mulligans. Like I I watched the jazz for like 10 minutes and I'm like, Oh, they don't have any guards or like, (laughs) Oh, Victor Webanyama can guard the perimeter and the rim at the same exact time. Like maybe they're going to be better this year. Um, but you know, we can only do so much. We're only Mm -hmm. human except for Victor Webanyama. Um, all right. So let's just jump right in here. Number five, we're talking the Los Angeles Lakers, Laker girls. Uh, they actually tied with the Golden State Warriors for number six. But thanks to Isaiah, they jump up into the final episode, number five. I think I'm on record here about my takes about the Lakers. But just to, just to get all the audience here, because I'm sure all the, all the big tent people are, are coming for this episode. Um, I'm optimistic about the Lakers. I was last year, probably despite all indications that I shouldn't have been. Uh, and that bore out in the playoffs, made the Western Conference Finals. They did a lot of good work in the offseason. I was trying to track this down. I think everyone except for LeBron and Max Christie were involved in transactions on this roster over the course of the offseason, either an extension or just a signing or all this type of stuff. So a lot of work from Rob Palinka, a lot of good work in particular. Um, my concern is that they've significantly raised their floor, which should make them a much better regular season team. There's so much depth here that they didn't have last year. Should be able to bring LeBron along, not put as much stress on Anthony Davis to play center all the time, yada yada. I just see, think this team is going to be very good in the regular season. I am worried, was that we'll get to the playoffs and ultimately find ourselves in the same place we were last year, where they don't have enough juice in order to compete with the Denver uh, maybe even a Suns. Where are you on the Lakers going into the season?
3: Yeah, I agree with you on the regular season front. I think their overall depth is such that they'll be a really good team, particularly on defense. So long as AD's out there, these guys are going to be very, very good at defense. And, you know, for the first time in a long time, it's, you know, I saw somebody post on Twitter that, like, They have more than one guy that you can't go under a screen against. (laughs) It's like they have legitimate shooting. They have legitimate shot creation. They're they're a very good team, excellent team. I think they will be really good in the regular season. I think in the playoffs, what it's going to come down to is whether or not LeBron can beat people still one-on-one if LeBron can be the type of guy that punishes single coverage, whether it be via the post-up, whether it be posting up, you know, smaller, more slider wings, or when teams smartly, I think these days, you should just put a big man on LeBron and dare him to beat you off the dribble on the perimeter, whether he can beat those bigs, right? It, the way that he was able to in 2016 and even 2020. I still remember poor Festus Ezeli just getting manhandled <laughs> (laughs) used and abused in 2016. Um, and in 2020, the same thing. When they switched Bam and, and stuff like that on him, he was able to get to his spots, get to the line. He was so much more athletic than the guy that we saw in the playoffs last season. And so to me, that's that's what it comes down to. What does LeBron have still have left in the tank offensively? Because I think a theme that we're going to find in these top five teams, guys, is that I tend to like the teams more that have reliable... Half-court offense. Yeah. Mm. it's It really has
1: become the truism of the modern NBA that like offense wins in the playoffs. Consistent yeah. offensive execution. Like There are exceptions to that rule, obviously. There are a lot of very good defensive teams that win. But you have to have a half-court offense you can rely on. And I think you're right to zero in on LeBron Waz. I, I don't want to jump ahead in structure here, mm-hmm. but as far as swing players go for the Lakers... It's him. I've done a lot of season previews and playoff previews. I don't think I've ever said that LeBron James is He's an X factor before. Play. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> but here we are. And a yeah. lot of it has to do with exactly what you said and the fact that when they did get into the mud in the playoffs, when they got into it against he Denver and they hit walls, he couldn't score that efficiently. And yet they still needed him to try. They still needed. Yeah. He he was the only guy who could really elevate anything. They were trying to run offensively when they really needed to hit another mm-hmm. gear to keep up with the best teams in the West. That's kind of why I'm, I'm pr- pretty aligned with you, Justin, in terms of their ultimate fate. Like this team is clearly definitively better in terms of its roster than it was even at the end of last season. I just don't know a reason why if they got into it against Denver and the playoffs, again, we would expect anything different to happen.
0: I think the original sin for this team ultimately was the trade that keyed its 2020 title which is trading for Anthony Davis. And that sounds weird to say because Davis has given so much of this team. He was incredible last postseason on defense. But I think everybody, including one LeBron James, has been waiting for him to take over as the go-to scorer, as the guy that they could turn to in those certain situations that LeBron, let's be honest, probably isn't best suited to do all the fucking time as he was last playoffs. It just hasn't happened. And I think at this point, it's not going to happen. I just don't think AD has developed enough offensively to really be a go-to guy in those sort of clutch situations. And honestly, if you look at Giannis, I don't know if that type of player, that body type was really kind of the guy that would be that. I mean, the guys who you typically go to, they are the Devin Bookers who can get to their spots and, and just hit a mid-ranger. AD is struggling at this point to hit anything outside of the basket. And so... Where is that guy coming from? I don't see a pathway to do that unless Austin Reeves just makes a superstar leap this offseason, which you never know. Uh, no, we, we until do. Then, we do know. We, we know. I think oh, we, we, know. Know. <laughs> we know. We know. Well, we know. until then, it's LeBron's job yet again. Unless they can get something going at the deadline and turn all of this, just like this clump of depth and one of their future draft picks into a guy who could do that,
1: which is possible. That's what we don't know, right? Like, Rob Palinka's done a pretty good job of renovating this roster on the fly, of making trades, of bringing these new guys in the offseason over, really, the last eight months. Very impressive work. So I I don't want to rule out the idea that they could look very different come playoff time. They've shown the capacity to do that and the willingness to do that, the urgency to do that if the situation calls for it. If the roster is what it is, though, I think we kind of have a good sense of what they are. There are some wild cards we're going to need to see how does Christian Wood fit into this team? What can Torian Prince be to this team? How much, you know, in terms of guard play, like what are they going to get out of Max Christie or Jalen hood Shafino? Like they're going to have to find minutes from somewhere to plug some of these spots. Gabe Vincent, another one of their big offseason additions, a bit more of a known commodity, but a guy we haven't really seen outside the heat ecosystem before. And so we're going to have to figure out who he is to this group. But overall, what they can hang their hat on, Waz alluded to up top, it's their defense. They were the best defensive team after the trade deadline last season. AD is the signature reason why. Yep. And if, if we're talking about reasons this team is good, reasons that they're going to be reliable, reasons that they're going to be a rock-solid regular season performer, their defense is it, and AD is it. And honestly, depending on how many games he plays, we probably should be talking about him as the front runner for Defensive Player of the Year. Like He yep. has that kind of candidacy and that kind of roster around him where if he's on the court... I think he's going to be deserving of that sort of consideration.
3: Yeah, and that defense being anchored by AD outside of Dennis Schroeder, the guys that walked out of the building for the Lakers were not, you know, contributors to uh, top tier tier defense. Dennis Schroeder, to his credit, you know, as the point of the point of attack, head of the snake, whatever cliche, tip of the spear, whatever cliche you want to use, he was that. On defense, And I don't think he got a lot of credit for being that type of guy that would actually pressure the ball and you combine that with what AD's doing behind the play. It was just, you know, it was overwhelming for most of the teams they played, Golden State and and Memphis included, right? Um, And so I think Gabe Vincent can step in quite ably in that role as far as anchoring that perimeter point of attack defense with, you know, all of the versatility and you know greatness that AD brings on the defensive end. Uh, we haven't talked about what's some Austin Austin Reeves nickname these days. I was about to call. I keep wanting to call him the White Bomba because he plays for the Lakers, but that <laughs> name is already taken. Look, as good as he is as a shot creator, even you know his playmaking ability. I think he is nails as a spot up guy, even a pull up guy. Um, you can't rely on this dude. To you know, score one on one against the very best defenders in the league. Like he's good at foul hunting, you he's good kind of- at picking his spots. I don't think so. <laughs> Je- I just I don't I don't know what you're doing here, making him Paul George or something. <laughs> but like I don't think he's at that level. Um, or he hasn't shown that anyway. Probably not. Yeah. So this is this is the essential
0: question that I have written down is is Austin Reeves him. Or just another guy. Uh, and just for reference, we we dropped our top 100 player rankings on the Ringer today. Rob and I are both voting in that. Uh, he's at number 60. I have Witch. advocated for him <laughs> to be yeah, higher. No. What? Really? Yeah. I, no, I think he is. No, I think no, he is no. squarely amongst the best number threes in the league at this point.
1: I think that is a wild statement.
3: You know, it it's just he so, is He obviously doesn't have the, a track
1: record, but yeah, go ahead,
0: Rob. This
3: is the thing, though. This is the thing, especially when you talk when we're talking about some of the best teams in the league, right? Um, who's the three on Denver? Is it Michael Porter Jr. or Aaron Gordon? My, tonight um, it might Gordon. change. Yeah. Probably yeah. Aaron Gordon. In my opinion, and this is an opinion Gordon's I'm better. shared with you guys. Yes. Austin Reeves is better than Michael Porter Jr. And he makes half. I the don't bread. disagree. I don't. Disagree. He is a yes. that's that's much fair. better player than that guy, you know. Yes. And so, as a look, if, if the Lakers had a reliable offensive creator, right, and again, again, score, excuse me, somebody who could reliably um, generate buckets efficiently by themselves, Austin Reeves, in complement of that, would be incredible, right? I think of like Desmond Bain in Memphis, his role next to Ja. It's like Jaws, the super-duper-charged offensive creator, and then Desmond Bain gets to do everything around that. Now, if you put Desmond Bain in charge of generating all the quality looks for Memphis, they'd be in big trouble. But as that other guy, he could be that. I just don't think you can combine what AD and LeBron do as one-on-one threats and make that um, elite. I just don't. Even, again, Denver, who they lost to, Jokic likes that matchup because he doesn't have to chase him out anywhere. He's not making his jump shot. So it's like, AD, if you want to shoot all day, go ahead. If you want to try to score over me down here where I'm just as strong, if not stronger than you, you you're welcome to do that too. I just think in this situation, Austin Reeves just doesn't have enough to get them to to, to where they want to be.
1: He doesn't have enough help?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, exactly.
0: Here's the thing. <laughs> Reeves just happens to have the benefit of playing off of LeBron and his skill NAD. set is NAD and he's just tailor made to almost be everything that LeBron needs, especially at this point in his career. It's like, what are the three 100%, things every LeBron 100%. team needs? Defense, shooting, secondary creation. And Reeves is actually pretty good at all three of those things. And so that's why he translates to a Team USA situation because he could fill the gaps in between supers in the the way that, for instance, Brandon Ingram could not. Could he run his own team? No. But as a three, like the third option, the number three guy just doing a little bit of everything around superstars, I
1: love him. I think he's very good at that. And to be clear... Austin Reeves is a very good player. Him being, the him. Third, him being the third best player on this team is an incredible story. Genuinely incredible story. It is a testament to his development, his will. It is genuinely awesome that he is this good. You should read about it on the TheRinger.com. Mirren Fader has a story on him this week. You should read it. It's also a bad thing for the Lakers that he is as important as we're saying. That he... <laughs> It kind of feels like this roster would fall apart a little bit if Austin Reeves were not this <laughs> good. Little, That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. That is that is concerning to offense. me. Yeah, yeah. particularly in mm-hmm. office. So I think his impact. You know, he, he's good, but he's not that good. He's not, he's not <laughs> so good he should be an existential problem if he were to get hurt, for example.
3: Hmm.
1: But I I hear everything you're saying, and I think what makes Reeves so effective is that flexibility. Like, the fact that he can be many things to many teams, Lakers or Team USA, like,
3: he's very good. Just to throw this in complete disarray, um, (laughs) Austin Reeves, again, October 2023, or Chris Middleton? Chris Middleton. Hmm. I don't know. Is Chris Middleton healthy? <laughs> I, that, I that's, mean, that's what I'm saying. The Chris, is a Middleton, the Chris Middleton that I last saw, who, not to say he was terrible, I might opt for Austin Reeves over that. I think well, you know, like, like Reeves,
0: Middleton is actually probably the better fit around Milwaukee because they just need a dead-eye, just like 40-plus percent shooter like and off of the pick-and-roll with Damon Giannis. And so I would prefer Middleton for the Bucs. I, I don't know if I prefer him for the Lakers. Austin
3: Reeves or Drew Holiday? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Drew Holiday,
2: Get the fuck out. Of here.
3: <laughs> uh, I wish listeners could see uh Rob's face right now.
0: Rob, Austin Reeves or Rui Hachimura?
3: What is <laughs> Well, obviously Austin Reeves. <laughs> obviously Austin Reeves. Uh,
1: I think y'all are really overstating Austin Reeves' defense.
3: Yeah. He's it, no, he he can be exposed in, in certain matchups for sure.
1: Absolutely be exposed. We've seen it in the playoffs, in international play, by different kinds of players. He fights, like he competes. I'm not saying he's you know, a, a total zero on that end. To me, Middleton, even now, is like a neutral defender. He used to be a good one. Now he's just kind of like a guy. At least yeah. the last time we saw him, he was a guy on defense. But not a guy you can exploit, because he's so much bigger than Austin Reeves. Reeves, he can definitely get picked on. And the best, the, the two teams that I'm sure the Lakers are worried about most, three teams, if you want to include the Warriors, all three of those teams can pick on him to some extent. The Warriors maybe less so, but the Suns and the Nuggets absolutely can pick on Austin Reeves.
0: Well, Luckily, the NBA doesn't have as many Balkaners who are just looking to post up 50 times a game. So that won't be yeah. as much of an issue in the NBA, we hope. But no, that's, I agree. That's Cl- the,
3: the the market inefficiency. Tucker Carlson is disgusted by your white erasure, <laughs> Rob. <laughs> he would be rolling over in his grave if he could hear this podcast right now. I'm just
1: saying if uh, you're a contender, get some Lithuanian guards on your team. You're probably going <laughs> to do pretty well against the Lakers.
0: Where's Michi when you need him? Um, swing players, Rob, who do you have?
1: I mean, it's LeBron. It's LeBron. Okay. I, I genuinely think it's LeBron and this feels like a group that will only go as far as he can kind of elevate and take them in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. His job is a little bit easier. And I think the, the roster is built to accommodate him missing time. You know, the, the 20 to 30 games we kind of come to expect LeBron to miss. They're better built to withstand that. But 39 year old LeBron is going to have to dominate series after yeah. series after series. It's going to be a tall order, but that dude delivers tall orders pretty consistently. So I'm, I'm not exactly betting against it, but it's, it's kind of what's going to swing them.
3: And with LeBron, what are we talking about, Justin? It's about getting the energy... To generate a really forceful post game against certain matchups and the jump shot falling, which throughout his career has just come and gone. So you know, you never know if we get a period of hot shooting, LeBron in the playoffs. That shit just changes everything. So yeah, I'm I'm in complete agreement with with Rob. It's it's LeBron.
0: No, uh nominations for D'Angelo Russell in Derek White mode.
2: No.
1: <laughs> him <laughs> saying his role model is Derek White is premium preseason content yeah Ma- Mana from heaven Wait, when do we think gabe vincent will overtake d'angelo russell for the starting spot when do we think that's going to happen because right now i would say russell is like starter by a political appointment and that feels like it is is not a permanent arrangement
0: i think the bloom is going to be off the rose on gabe vincent by december when he's not hitting threes uh, so I actually think it's going to go in reverse. I think Russell's going to stay the starter. If anything, wow. they need Russell to look better than he is. If only to do that and trade him at the deadline for someone who's better than both of those guys. Because I honestly, I would I would pinpoint the point guard position as the swing position because I think if they just had more juice, I mean, the name that comes to mind is obviously Kyrie. But God forbid if he gets to LA and joins Oof. this mix, it will be. It'll Whoa. be a mess. But, like, that's the type of creator they need in order, I think, to to bring this team up a
3: level.
1: Justin, I can't tell if the way you've been talking about Max Struess and now Gabe Vincent, is you respecting the Heat or disrespecting the Heat?
3: It's it's it's, it's both. It's always both. Yeah. Because he hates culture so much. <laughs> it's true.
0: And pop culture, you know? yeah, All of it. All us. the Marvel. No tights. No, no just any culture at all. <laughs> um, no, I actually... I respect the heat's culture to produce these guys and I actually respect them for not overpaying them to keep them, especially because the heat in particular got into a lot of trouble doing that with the Deon waiters and uh, the James Johnson's a long time ago, but um, all right, let's let let's move on not to do another segment on the heat. Uh, number four, the Phoenix Suns, whom I believe was you were higher than anyone was yeah. on. Uh, you had them number three item four. Rob had five. So what's driving your optimism on Phoenix?
3: Same thing that's driving my pessimism on the Lakers' playoff chances is that I know these guys are going to generate very fruitful possessions against any half-court defense, no matter what. I would argue even against Denver; they were generating great looks, but they were for Josh Okogie. You know, like and and that was the problem. I think this year. They've averted that disaster by bringing in Bradley Bill, by bringing in um, Eric Gordon and those types of players. Like, it's going to be tough to load up on KD and load up on Devin Booker the way Denver was able to. And that's in their second round matchup this time around. Now, I'm not very bullish on what they'll do on defense. You know, I, I think it's going to take like. I think they're going to piecemeal that thing together during the regular season. And in the playoffs, they'll be, you know, really focused and they'll play as hard as they possibly can. I just don't think they have the defensive personnel to actually make a dent there. And I think ultimately that'll be what, you know, befalls them. But in the playoffs, when it comes to getting buckets consistently, to me, they're right under Denver as far as, Um, you know, impeccable half-court offenses. And so to me, that's why I have them above Boston, who we've watched repeatedly throw up all over themselves in the biggest moments in the playoffs, particularly on offense. And honestly, when Big Al is not making threes, when Marcus Smart is not making threes, this (laughs) offense has been dead in the freaking water. Since okay, we've known them, and Boston so for, that's for why I like this team. That's why I had them third, and Boston no. at number four on my ranking, Justin. Mm. Rob, I, I Rob get why it. the Suns.
1: I get why I the Suns it. are here. I agree that the better case scenario is just what you described was. I don't know. I this team does not feel like a sure thing to me. Sure. And I see, I see a lot of potential for a pretty underwhelming season, just given the way the roster is shaped. I don't think the reasons for that are revolutionary. Like, we all kind of know what yeah, the problems with the roster are. Yeah. It's, it's injury, it's defense, it's... We all overrate how important depth is, but, like, who is the fourth guy on this team? Who is the fifth guy on this I don't care who the eighth and ninth and tenth guys are. Who can they play and who will be available to play when the games I, matter? I, yeah, I get you on the injury side. I would argue that their depth is already
0: better than Denver's, for instance. Like, I don't know who Denver's sixth guy is. or but, No, so I do know who
1: their sixth and seventh guy is. That's what I'm saying. I don't know who Phoenix's fourth guy is. So how can <laughs> their depth be better if they can't even put, like, one lineup on the floor that I fully trust when Denver oh. has the best and most complete lineup in basketball?
0: They, they Okay. Uh,
1: they have plenty of options. At they have point. lots of options. Phoenix, there's, there's, yeah. there's, there's no doubt well, they have options.
0: I do think the Denver series, though, was pretty telling. And this has been said ad nauseum, including on this podcast, as we've been going through this, if they had anybody to hit a goddamn open shot, they could go toe to toe with Denver offensively and just upgrading the Shamit spot to an Eric Gordon or God forbid a Bradley Beal and now playing number three role off of two of the best creators in basketball like
3: I, I don't They're think it's going to be an to issue. Get a lot of buckets, y'all. Yeah,
0: if you <laughs> like, if you say like, hey, I don't know who's going to guard Jokic on that team. That to me is a much bigger problem. But I honestly think quietly, like Yusuf Nurkic has like the Balkans uh, mind game do shit this. going on. Don't you know? do this. Former teammate maybe knows where the soft spots are. I'm telling you, the Balkan guys are fucking nuts. And Nurkic probably knows some shit in order
3: to get into He's Jokic. He's double agent, Rob. That's what's <laughs> <Yeah>. happening here.
1: <laughs> if your first no, I... line of defense against Jokic is Yusuf Nurkic, you've got it's problems.
3: It's
0: tough. And if Balkan the more shit, likely yeah.
1: scenario, which is that Yusuf Nurkic is like hurt by the time the playoffs come around and Drew Eubanks is your first line of defense against Nikola Jokic, you're in even bigger trouble. I. That is the thing. Like, if it was just one of these guys or two of these guys who were injury risks, I would feel better. Devin Booker's, like, the healthiest of their core Man, guys. He's and he played, an injury
3: guy. He played yeah.
1: 53 games last season. Yeah, So sure. Durant, Beal, Nurkic, Booker, Eric Gordon, also, for that matter. Like, these, yeah. mm-hmm. these are not guys who play a ton of games. So, for one, I don't think the Suns are going to be a regular season juggernaut. I think there's going to be a lot of nights where Frank Vogel is like, uh, I guess Keita bates job or Nasir Little is playing 38 minutes tonight. Like, I think that's just going to be the reality of their situation. So I don't think they're going to win, you know, first or second seed in the West-level games. In the playoffs, they are going to be formidable. Their offense mm-hmm. is going to be that good. I just want to see what the rotation looks like, and maybe some of that will come over the course of the year as we figure out, like, oh, we can trust Jordan Goodwin more than we thought we could, or Yuta Watanabe more than we thought we could, you know? Grayson Allen, like, maybe... To, to your point, like he is an upgrade on the like, can you just hit a shot department over what they had in basically wholesale changing their supporting cast from year to year. So I get it. I, I get the case for I just see a lot of a lot of holes in that case.
3: I, I, I hear you. It's just for me, when I think about even if they get to, you know, 80 percent of what the upside is, this is the second best team in the West. Easily, in my yes. opinion, yeah, you know, um, just Devin Booker alone, who, to me, towards the end of last season and and in moments in the playoffs, I'm just like, this guy is as good as Steph. He's as good as Dame. He's as good as you know SGA, who we sit around and praise every single day, while we can't. Like Devin Booker is of that level. When he's right. And so when you have that level of offensive play and you're pairing it with KD and you're surrounding it with the the amount of shooting and space that's going to be available, th- this, is, this is high caliber, high wattage stuff to me. And so I'm just thinking about it on the highest caliber of ends, right? Now, if you told me, you know, all of their top three missed 35 games apiece this regular season, that, that doesn't take a lot for me to believe. That's quite as easy. Long to as long as they're spread out. And yeah. As happening. long
0: as they're not like all at the same time, I think they should be right. fine. But I agree with you guys. I think it's
3: fine. And I think th- this is going to be, you know, if their regular season record doesn't allow for them to play Denver in the conference finals, I think they're going to be Denver's toughest Western Conference matchup when and if ever they play them. And it's my belief that you're not going to find the magical defensive piece that stops Jokic. You're not going to get the girthy, lengthy, whatever guy that you're looking for to stop this guy one-on-one. How you're going to fuck him up is on offense. That's how you're going to get after that guy. And to me, Phoenix is best positioned to do that.
0: Yeah, it's really two separate conversations. I think we have a more muted view of the regular season just because of all the depth issues, because of all the injury concerns. But in the playoffs... Man, it's going to be tough. I ultimately think that becomes a Bradley Beal conversation at this point. Um, Rob, do you have any concerns about Beal transitioning to the number three role here? Because over the past, God, it's probably been like four years since he really took off in Washington. It's been a slow migration inside the three-point arc. So he's become more of like a playmaking creator rather than the shooter he was more in the John Wall era. You think that guy is
1: still in there somewhere? I think he's definitely still in there somewhere. But Beal is an object of fascination around the league for people in the league in terms of wondering what's real and what was him just like not giving that much of a shit in Washington in terms of some of the habits, some of the trends in his performance. There's a lot of questions about like who the real Brad Beal is right now. I personally don't really have those questions. I, I don't really blame him for not mm. always like giving his complete self for a team that wasn't exactly so you're going a anywhere. Bill apologist, okay. I wouldn't say apologist, <laughs> but I I understand <laughs> where he's coming from. Uh, I I just think he's a better player than he has shown over the last two seasons. Like he can be a more competitive defender than that he can have a better offensive balance than that. And so much of what you're describing, Justin, is like the difference between having to carry a heavy offensive load, which yes. tends to facilitate getting into mid-range more, forcing things at the end of the clock, like taping, taking tougher shots. He's going to have a much easier life playing with Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. And I think it's telling that for as weirdly shaped as this roster is, one thing none of us have brought up is this team doesn't really have a point guard. And it's because it doesn't really matter. They don't like, need no damn point guard. Devin Booker and Brad <laughs> Beal are gonna do just fine yeah. handling the ball. And Kevin Durant is gonna do just fine handling the ball for them too. Like those three guys can triangulate the responsibilities of that position. And and Beale's playmaking over the last few years plays a part in that, plays a role in that, in that responsibility.
3: I, I think about the conversation we had concerning Cleveland. And the lack of offensive spacing um, that's on that team. This team is the opposite. There's no, You cannot condense the floor against Phoenix. That, that's going to be death to your defense. And, you know, uh, Justin has it in our notes that Brad Beal, first six years, was 39% from three. Last five was 35 um, I would say that corresponds with just horrific shot selection, miscast as some, you know, Batman carrying a team that was not, that should have never been his destiny, and and that's why his um, shooting perc- percentage suffered in the way that he, that it did. This time around, this man is going to be taking the most plum of shooting opportunities, and when he does put it on the floor, it's going to be against scrambling defenses who have to make the choice of helping on Brad Beal or leaving Kevin Durant and Devin Booker? Come on, yeah. guys. This is this is a no-brainer.
0: It's funny because I think after James Harden heliocentric ball really boomed, there was this, like... Everybody thought they that could
3: do it. <laughs> everyone thought that
0: they could do it. And I actually think the two people who probably got the longest audition for that were Devin Booker and Bradley Beal. Beal, of mm. course... Scored what thirty points per game, I think, in back-to-back yeah. seasons with yeah, All Star. Completely his changed. Lady was crying about missing <laughs> All Star games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, unfortunately for his friends and family, that did not bear out to be actually true. They, their position <laughs> proved wrong. But it's funny. It's like I don't. Th- I don't like that for either of them. Apart. But together with Kevin Durant, also capable of doing it, I think it actually works quite well. It's a little different being positional basketball when you're Tyler Hero and Josh Richardson and Jimmy Butler versus Kevin Durant, Devin Booker and Bradley Beal. So, yeah, I agree with you guys. I don't have much concern as long as the, the reason why his shooting was down over the past few years wasn't injury related. It was more workload, just role and just the increased attention he was getting.
1: Yeah, and that's kind of the case for the supporting cast in a way like you may not love any of these guys individually but the idea of a grayson allen the idea of a nasir little the idea of a Chimezi metu like lots of guys are going to get auditions over the course of the season i assume a lot of them are going to look better than they looked with their previous teams just by virtue of how open they're going to be so there is a rising tide for a lot of the sun's role players that will be a factor I just wonder in the playoffs how much of that is going to matter and how much we're going to see like Josh Akogi turn back into a pumpkin again.
0: Yeah. I would say the one advantage to the and trade, which I think we're still trying to wrap our heads around, it seemed more like a a chemistry dump or a dump in 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 the hopes of spurring better chemistry, chemistry. than anything else. like a else. chemistry
3: dump. It's like, it's it like a radioactive it was a waste San site. San Francisco dump.
0: Hey. And yeah, it's basically the <laughs> whoa 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 whoa. <laughs> Um, but it did split up the money. And so I could see very easily moving a Grayson Allen because everybody needs shooting for a, a center who could potentially be better than a Nurkic or, or a Eubanks because people are have centers just like overflowing on certain rosters. So I actually think that they have optionality in a way that they probably didn't with Aiton. I still don't get it, but at the very least that, that's the optimist view on that trade.
1: Can, can I put an ultimately probably kind of meaningless uh, asterisk on this center conversation, sure. which is sure. that I don't think a lot of people have watched Drew Eubanks play a lot of basketball. He's he's pretty good and a good switch, good. a good, a good switch option, which is something mm-hmm. that they don't otherwise have. Like Nurkic is not that really. So I know I, 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 <laughs> I do think Eubanks will be helpful. Again, it's just a lot of imperfect choices between the rest of the supporting cast overall, him included. The NBA season is back, and you can get in on
0: all the buzzer beaters, ankle breakers, and tomahawk jams with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets, guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. The bet I like this season? The Boston Celtics to win the championship at plus 380. I know the Denver Nuggets won last year. I know there's a lot of competition, the Milwaukee Bucks. The Phoenix Suns, even the Lakers, maybe the Warriors, but I am a true believer in the Celtics. Maybe I'm just brainwashed by working at the Ringer, but I really think they have a bulletproof top six this year. So bet on the Celtics, regardless of what the odds are. If you've been thinking about FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet. Live same game parlays. Find bets in the new explore tab, dive into the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash nba and tip off the NBA season right. FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.FanDuel.com.
1: This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games...
2: by saying, you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
0: All right, let's move along. Number three, your Boston Celtics, which, where did <laughs> you guys Who's have? Boston Celtics? Well, apparently they're my Boston Celtics, because Waz had them at four, Rob had them at three. I had them at number one in our <laughs> rankings. Absurd.
1: Uh, Absolutely so, absurd. Yeah.
3: So here's Absolutely. what
1: <laughs> Is is it review season? Is it promotion season? What's going on?
0: <laughs> no, I'll say this. I actually think if you wanted to to say the Bucks or the Nuggets, I wouldn't have a problem with it. I actually think this top 3 is very a defined tier unto itself. Yeah. Um it's kind of more perspective and and certain like preferences at this point. I'll say this about the Celtics. When they had just made the Kristaps Porzingis trade, I was very queasy. I think I even uh, tested out a take on Rob (laughs) in Sweden that Brad Stevens is actually a bad GM. Is that right? That was you, (laughs) You right?
1: You did test drive this. I don't think you got very far. I don't even know that you were fully committed to the bit, but you wanted to at least see if it had legs. Because my
0: issue was, like, if you're going to go all in, Doing it for Christops, a guy who historically you could not count on. Many teams have died in the hopes that they can count on this guy. Th- that was the wrong bet to make. But then the Drew Holiday trade just kind of not only made, it se- uh, made sense by itself... As just a transaction, I think it also rationalized the Kristaps trade. The Celtics are all in in a way that, frankly, I thought the Warriors should have been. They, the Celtics, just like really are trying to take advantage of this season and maybe next season, then figuring out the money issues down the road. And by doing so, I think they've created clearly the best top six, top seven in the league. Um, it's just this this roster is when healthy big asterisks there, is so fucking bulletproof. And I'm trying to think of the last defense that was so versatile, switchable, and just like potentially dominant than Drew, White, Tatum, Brown, Horford. Like Porzingis, obviously, is going to be in the mix there. I kind of see him in the playoffs being more of a sixth man, a guy who will provide spacing, maybe post up on second units. I actually think that fivesome, that first five some, is like, Able to take on all oncomers. My one issue, if you guys remember, with Denver was they could they never faced the five out team that had the girth and everything in order to to give Jokic the best. And I think this team is almost built not only to guard you think Chris Tapp's Denver Zing is
3: built to guard uh, Nikola. <laughs> no, but Jokic, I think Horford you really is. Think that?
0: Horford in mm, recent okay. history probably the best big man defender in the NBA or at least the guy you want against Embiid against Jokic as much as you can guard big men is what yes. you're yes. saying yeah.
1: Embiid okay. yes Embiid yes Jokic I don't know man this is well, no, different I'm not saying he's
3: gonna like just shut I, him down I just down. want Justin to finish his Boston yeah. as world be us yeah, yeah, let, yeah. let him cook keep going with that I agree with Waz's concern
0: that in the Eastern Conference Finals Game 7 down the stretch Jason Tatum gets the ball and holy shit is he gonna poop his pants, right? You would want Damian Lillard in that situation as opposed to Tatum. But at a certain point, you can only do so much with the guys that you have. I think actually believing in a top five guy and providing him the spacing that he needs in a Chris Dobson, a Horford, and giving him the lockdown defender, Drew Holiday, who, by the way, basically almost forced Dame and CJ McCollum into early retirement a couple of plays uh, playoffs ago. I think they've just provided the optimal context for this team, and if I were to make a bet, I would bet on this lock Solid seven, the defensive capabilities, and just like the, the there's just not as many holes with the Celtics that I could find with the bucks and even the nuggets.
1: That's the case. Yeah, I don't have any problem with betting on the Celtics. like they're clearly going to be awesome. I think it's yeah. a pretty fair like philosophical debate, coin flip, however you want to frame it between them and the Bucs. Like, it's just kind of different different things that they bring to the table and offer. I, I'm a little more compelled by Milwaukee at this point. I think we can get into the reasons why on the Bucs side soon. But as far as the Celtics piece of it, some of it for me is I'm a, I'm a little nervous about the front court. And it's the yeah. combination, again, of, you know, another team with big-time injury potential between their bigs. Also, Al Horford kind of quietly, like, re- regressed, like, started declining. Yeah. or not not started declining but but took a bit of a turn in his decline last season like didn't really look 100% like himself especially all throughout the playoffs he had great moments especially great defensive moments could not score consistently could not hit a shot like was actually a bit of an offensive liability in terms of his his uh capacity to knock down shots in a way that's a bit of a problem and so between that Porzingis being a a brand new piece here who coming off of a career season in Washington where he played a style that is very incongruent with what the Celtics have been doing. He posted up quite a bit. He was given the ball quite a lot. He's going to be in a dramatically different role. Maybe everyone involved will adapt perfectly and he'll look great. I think that's honestly a pretty reasonable thing to expect. I do think the fit there is going to be pretty good. But there's a lot of questions about their front court depth. There's not a lot of safety net here before you get to Luke Cornett playing 28 minutes in a conference finals game. I, I get a little nervous about that for a team that otherwise, I agree, top six wise, those names, those players are very, very, very good. I just wonder where they're going to be in the end.
3: Yeah, I I have a couple of problems with Boston as number one team in the NBA, specifically with the swap out of Chris Stabs for Robert Williams and Grant Williams, who people underestimate. Um, you mentioned the system that Chris Tops got to play in in Washington. He loved it. How did he feel about that system in Dallas that he was playing under? You know? Bristled under it, was pissed, hated being, you know, essentially spurned off to the corner, shoot when you're told, shut the hell up, play defense. That's gonna be his role here once again. And the thing, the, the thing about Robert Williams and Grant Williams, Those dudes did all of the dirty work and didn't care about getting the ball. That matters in a big way. And, you know, Drew Holiday, I think, is unequivocally he's a better player than Marcus Smart. I just don't think he's—the ways that he's going to be better are going to be on offense. I just sure. don't believe that to be the case. I don't think he's gonna be making these big ass shots. I Like this idea that like, well, you know, Drew, he got handed all of these grenades at the end of possessions in um, Milwaukee. Um, and you know, we joked about this with producer Isaiah. He was like, Well, Marcus Smart had those grenades because he was taking them from people. And maybe that's the case, right? Sometimes you toss
1: ca- the grenade and sometimes you pull the pin yourself. Right. You know,
3: and Marcus Smart definitely probably took way too many big shots at the end of games for Boston. But like for me, I'm like, look, like Drew Holiday's gonna be put in those same exact positions, and he has not acquitted himself well on offense in the playoffs in the past, what, like three, four postseasons. It just hasn't been the case, and even when people say, oh, you know, he, he pans Dame, which he did, which he did, in tandem with Anthony Davis, y'all. Like, people forget that part. Like, it was Drew <laughs> Holiday and Anthony Davis doing we, this to Portland. Why like, are we talking about matters. Drew
1: versus, I mean, Drew versus Dame is obviously a relevant comp, but why are we talking about Pelicans versus Blazers when Drew has a more relevant, more recent playoff resume, right? like. I I get why that's the touchstone. I also think he's made huge, huge crunch time plays. They're not always knocking down shots. And the Celtics do need some of that. I also, I feel like there's two things happening here. One, because we all know the Celtics are very good. Clear cut contender, right, are, right, right,
3: right, right, right. We are they're, focusing they're on the there. negative it's, things. It's, that's it. Like, just so people understand, I think they're one of the best teams in the NBA. The top four, probably top three, whatever. If you want to do that, I, I understand that. I just think the idea that you would you would actually trust this team against the Denver Nuggets, who we watched in the playoffs last year, is bonkers to me. Like, it's unconscionable to me.
1: The Nuggets are on a different level. I also want to no, push back not. a. <laughs> <laughs> just
0: I from think the Celtics, the same level. they
3: absolutely are. I think they're on a different level. From the level. Celtics, I, they absolutely I, are.
0: I think but you guys are just just final team peeled. that went
3: down <laughs> 3-0 to the Miami Heat, bro. <laughs> we are, we are, are you in the serious? We're are you by no history. Serious?
1: Pilled by history.
3: You cannot Is- be serious, Justin. The team that <laughs> barely squeaked by <laughs> Philadelphia, then went down 3-0 to the Miami Heat. You can't they were one be one game bro. away
0: from a second straight finals and you're acting oh, like they were we fucking go. the Atlanta Hawks. Here we go. <laughs> you know? like,
3: here they we got go. they
0: they they were almost won that series. Mm. And then they got appreciably better. Like mm. I, I just the idea that there's like a chasm between them and, and Denver is is uh, absolutely ridiculous. I don't think it's a chasm. <laughs> I don't think it's a chasm.
3: Ridiculous. <laughs> I just think there's if, a
1: little more okay,
0: to what Denver we'll, we'll runs.
1: Denver. Oh yeah, we,
3: we'll, we'll talk about the Nuggets. Relevant bro, to the Celtics, Justin, you just, bro, you just have to point <laughs> to me a game in which Nikola Jokic played like Jason Tatum all the time. That just does not happen. It never happens. Jason Tatum is constantly like, stinking up the joint in big spots, constantly. Okay, constantly stinking the up the joint. Okay, Pause. okay. he well, is. <laughs> In Justin, big it's spots. It's not, it's I'm talking about in big true. playoff games. It's just with not Nic- true. You can't, bro, Guys, you cannot we are... point to games where Jason Tatum, where Nikola Jokic is playing like Jason Tatum did in big spots against the Sixers, in big spots against Miami. You can't point to that. In the playoffs, he's always there kicking everybody's ass. And then you have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Come on, y'all. Stop with this. <laughs> As good as the Nuggets, this is Guys, crazy. We are
1: months removed from Jason Tatum scoring fifty-one points in a game seven. Fifty-one yes. points in a game seven against the Sixers. Like I, I agree, he has some some down games that are harder free falls than other superstars. Right, like the bottom on a bad Jason Tatum game. I didn't say he's incapable really of playing good in big games.
3: I said he's capable of playing absurdly bad it's like not, yeah. in a way that you can never expect Jokic to ever would, not I one also time think that, I think the
0: Tatum Jokic is also a false equivalency here I don't think anyone's saying Tatum is like as lock but solid but he's counted as upon to be
3: that though he's counted not upon really. to take like 25 shots a game in the playoffs he's I counted upon when, that way he's gonna be the one initiating offense for them Justin at the end of games and you trust him to do that that's Enough crazy. of the times
0: to to win a seven game series. Yes,
3: <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. That's <laughs> crazy. That is crazy, bro. Like that game where he hit all of those threes against Philadelphia in the yeah, fourth quarter. At the end, he yeah. finally made like three or four threes or whatever it was in the fourth quarter. Right before that, Justin, no other superstars doing that, bro. In that spot, that's crazy. That's cra- He was like one for 15. It's crazy to imagine that and think that I think like this yo- idea
0: that like everything rests on Tatum having one bad game in a series is absolutely bad shit. It's like this is why you have five to six good players in order to take that pressure off of them. And if anything, right. they've just created a moat of space. With Chris Stops and even Drew Holiday, who's a more consistent three point shooter than even Marcus.
3: Chris Stops is gonna be the one scoring for them in the playoffs. What are we betting on this? I'll I'll bet
0: I'll I'll bet a dinner right now that the Celtics go farther than the Nuggets in the playoffs. (laughs) Than the
3: Nuggets? (laughs) guy's crazy. I'll say that. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's, yeah. I'm so it. happy this is
0: on the. Yeah. And here's the thing: I just want to, I just want to make this clear. I'm actually not down on the Nuggets so much as I am forced in the position of defending the Celtics. But I believe in the Celtics way more than you do. You're completely over like oh, valuing I'm, I'm like just, this. He's like I'm flashes completely... of shit from Tatum,
3: bro. I'm. It's not just Tatum though. It's the whole team, always doing this in the biggest spots, always. Like just Until think it about the, that game that you talked about with Miami that they that you know they were one game away from the playoffs one one game away from the finals. Do you remember that game? Like again, just try to imagine the Denver Nuggets season being on the line and then delivering that game. Tatum turned his ankle like five you minutes into that game. What, is, is like, what are we doing here? To imagine You're just like that. completely rewriting history to make it seem like Tatum's a bomb when he's not. I didn't say he's a bum. But he's He's not a bum. I'm just saying. I don't know. Okay. He's, he, he is more consistently bad than any other player that's supposed to be of his caliber, meaning finishing in the top five of MVPs. That's what I'm trying to say. That's his comparison point. He is more consistently bad in these big moments than anybody else. Sure.
0: If we're comparing him to the absolute best yes. players in the league who have won I mean, multiple MVPs, teams, he's Justin. not at that level right now. But there, like the idea that he can't be over the course of this season is absurd.
3: All right, go ahead. Rob, what do you playoffs. think?
1: <laughs> I'm having an amazing time. I'm just like, oh, are thriller, you? I'm Thriller Michael Jackson, just eating popcorn over here. It's it's wonderful. Uh,
0: all right, why don't why don't we uh, do we even do the
3: essential question here?
1: Uh, I think we have to because the we answer is. We haven't even talked
3: about Joe Missoula. I mean, goddamn, <laughs> Jesus. Like, we haven't Seriously. even gotten to that point.
0: Because here's the question I have written down which is which Celtics principal is under the most pressure? Brad Stevens, Joe Missoula, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Peyton Pritchard.
1: I think the answer is Joe Missoula, right? I think it's oh, Joe Missoula. Yeah. But I do think the swing player is inexplicably Peyton fucking Pritchard. Okay,
3: we'll get to him later. Yeah, I mean, uh, to me, it's got to be Joe Missoula because he's the one who can most easily be fired. And so, like, if you're playing for your actual existence, he's the one that's on the hottest of seats. Like, Jason Tatum, for better or for worse, as much as, I, you know, I've talked bad on the guy in in the context of, will th- this guy be the reason they win the championship? Um, he's who they got. Like, there's no starting over. He's too young. Like, you just have to try to figure out how to craft the team around what he does well to try to win the championship. And it's a great piece to have, right? And so the idea that Jason Tatum is on some hot seat. He's going to be there. He's going to get paid. He's going to deserve it. Like, all of those things. So Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, who's already just got paid, like, these guys are going to be around no matter what happens. I'm talking about a first-round flameout. Um, which I'm not predicting. I'm just saying, even that, that wouldn't be able to, you know, uh, get these guys out of town. Joe Missoula, man, like, there was just times where the, he just looked like the substitute teacher. He looked like JV basketball coach. He the, he just didn't look like he was suited for the moment. And so, you know, Justin Verrier thinks this is the best team since the 27 Yankees. And if he can't deliver with this type of team, he's going to be out of here. That, Like, that goes without saying.
0: 92 Bulls. Maybe. Um, yeah. <laughs> if if there is still any credence to the Brad is bad take that I piloted, but then never greenlit. There is it's not. It's that they reshaped the roster, it seems, to basically empower Missoula and and move aside all of the, in air quotes, bad chemistry guys, or the guys that were maybe like making things difficult for Missoula that Missoula didn't particularly love, which was Marcus Smart, one and Grant Williams. And I- if I
1: had... A concern? Call, calling those guys bad chemistry guys, I think, is a, what a would you bit call uncharitable. Them? I mean, just Grant Williams loudmouths? was just clearly in the doghouse. Like Joe Mazzullo did sure. not want to play him. I think Mark Smart is, was in Smart in is complicated, for sure. But but a bad, I don't know if I'd call him a bad chemistry guy. That seems strong. Sure. Just, um, just
0: loud personalities, forceful personalities that perhaps sure. undercut his authority. Let's go with that. Um, The Grant Williams part of this, I don't understand why they ended up getting rid of him, because when they didn't match the contract offer from Dallas, the idea was like, oh, well, they can't get into the second repeater tax, right? And I was like, okay, I guess they just just
3: felt like he got overpaid. That's it. Well, it's that. But also then
0: they jumped head first into the repeater tax or the second apron For Drew Holiday. And so if you're going to be freewheeling and spending, why not get the guy who could ostensibly be like the the stretch five, small ball five that you kind of probably need even more now after moving on from Robert Williams and some of these other guys. So that like that part of it, I still don't understand, but I assume it's because of this whatever we we we're calling it here just
3: but just as a a gm why are you gonna sign that guy to all that money put yourself in a repeated tax for a guy you know your coach won't play (laughs) play he's not gonna play him (laughs) yeah retain
0: the asset and get something back from they didn't even accept back reggie bullock in the plum like draft pick that ultimately went to the spurs and so like bullock ultimately got waived. so maybe that's not a big deal although he'd probably play for this team off the bench um, but like, yeah, they didn't get anything out of it. They basically just cut bait, which doesn't make sense to me. But anyway,
1: I hear you. I do think like on paper, they could use Grant Williams still for depth. Uh, this is a team that, you know, some of these guys are going to have to step up one way or another, like O'Shea Brissett, Lamar Stevens, winning Gabriel, Sam Hauser. Like those are going to be meaningful rotation players for them. Luke Cornette is going to have to be a regular every night occurrence. And some of that is because of the way that the starting lineup has been set up now. And this is Another reason why Joe Missoula is kind of in the spotlight here is what do you do in terms of you have these clearly six very good players, one of them is going to come off the bench. So far, it seems to be pointing in the direction that Drew Holiday is going to be that guy, which is a choice. but also one that you can you can at least see logistically, pragmatically speaking, how that choice could get you through the regular season, right? Our, our hope is that you know if if Luke Cornett is going to be one of our more reliable bench players. The only way to kind of get him those minutes at the five is if we start Al and Porzingis together. Also, I can understand one to keep Drew Holiday's lift a little lower during the regular season, given his age, given his where you want him to be in better shape, just like in terms of the, the fatigue of a season by the time you get to the playoffs. I can see the arguments at the same time. You just trade it for Drew Holiday. Like, it's pretty compelling that you should maybe just start that guy.
0: All right. Anyone else need to mention here? I'm actually like not as worried about the depth. I think if only because they have a couple of red shirt guys who like can soak up minutes like Hauser and Brissette, and then we don't have to ever see them again in the playoffs. They probably need like one or two more guys, maybe just like one rock solid guy to add to a playoff rotation. But I actually think they have bodies to to soak up minutes in between injuries and getting through a regular season.
1: We'll see. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm not, too worried about it yet. I think it's definitely something that to flag and watch as we go here, especially as I mentioned, like Peyton Pritchard is their most important reserve outside of those top six, you know, whoever ends up coming out of the uh, off the bench out of those top six guys. So he's going to have to be good so far in the preseason. The signs have been pretty encouraging. We'll see. I, I don't exactly know, but I'm not I'm not so worried about the depth so much as the combination of like front court injury need to fit all this new stuff together. Joe Missoula, Kind of being put in that pressure spot as a coach where, like, I mean, last season he, he spent the whole season reinventing their offense, specializing in like <laughs> really focusing on the offense and it fell apart. So, w- what do we do now? Where is our emphasis in this season? Are we focusing on how do we be the best defensive team we can be? How, how do we be the best offensive team? How do we be the most balanced team, most flexible team? Are we playing one way? Are we trying to play different ways? They have a lot of options ahead of them. And Joe Mazzula being the guy to navigate those options makes me a a tad nervous. But the talent here is going to win out. The Celtics are going to be awesome. I don't know about advancing further than the Nuggets awesome. And and to you, Justin, I I point to you. Do you want to specify on this bet? Like, are we talking... French Laundry dinner? Are we talking? <laughs> like, what, what's All right, where, Gavin where's Newsom. the bet on this? <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, can I get this through
0: the Spotify uh, HR department? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think would set off the alarm bells?
3: But but to 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 Justin's point, just so we can end off, I, I think they can put lineup like the point of having Drew, Chris Stapps, Jalen Brown, and Tatum is that you never have to have a lineup that doesn't have one of those four guys on it, thereby making those lineups make sense in some way, right? Don't don't do the there's no reason for them to do hockey lineups like some other coaches that I know. Um they can make every single lineup make some level of sense with the, you know, the talent that they've already got in the starters. So I'm I'm not really worried about their rotations, man. They, like they got enough players to get them through the regular season and I don't see why they shouldn't be in the high 50s with what they do um during the regular season.
0: Whether or not a top five player can score a bunch of points in the playoffs. You're just,
3: you're not as convinced about. Mm. Mm. Okay. I remember right. the finals against okay. golden state. Some of us don't. <laughs> okay.
0: I remember all the other <laughs> playoff series too, unfortunately. Um, number two, Milwaukee Bucks, a team with very few options as opposed to the Celtics, but two very good ones. Uh, you guys both had them. Number two, I believe. Uh, yeah, you had them number two. I had them number three.
1: Yeah, we we were aligned on this. We, we met as a caucus and decided Nuggets Bucks was the proper order. So I I don't know where you came on this particular issue, Justin, but clearly it's, it's from a different place than we did. Yeah.
0: I don't think you guys will be getting the nomination this year.
1: Either of you. So, (laughs) Uh, so Rob, for you, what is the difference between the Celtics and the Bucks? So the whole conversation we just had about Jason Tatum, I don't think we're having that conversation about Giannis and Dame Lillard per se. I think there are limitations to both of those guys, but they've delivered in enough of those huge moments. And more importantly, their collaboration is going to elevate both of those guys to levels we really haven't seen before. It's kind of telling that in our whole conversation about the Celtics, we never really talked about like. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, for as good players as they are, that these guys are going to like make Chris Porzingis better, that they're going to make Drew Holiday better. I think they, God,
3: no. of course they not. relieve
1: some pressure off of them. And certainly with their flexibility and their versatility, they take on some responsibilities. Like there are ways in which they make each other's lives easier in Boston. But Giannis and Dame are going to make each other so much better and so much more formidable in a way that from this vantage point going into the season feels unsolvable. I I genuinely don't know what you're supposed to do with them. And we've seen cases previously where two stars team up. It seems incredible and it's a little clunky. I don't think this is going to be that. I I just think it's going to be such a smooth transition for them. The only real questions are with the aging supporting cast, with the unproven supporting cast, with these things kind of intersecting, do you have enough guys to fill out your competent playoff rotation of players that you can trust? Huge question marks, admittedly. I just trust in Giannis and Dame to a level that I don't trust anyone on the Celtics. And that's what's putting the bucks here for me.
3: Yeah, I like the fact that Giannis no longer has to have regular seasons where he's got usages in the mid-30s. I think that's way too much for his skill set. And even, you know, just... As far as a fatigue factor, just a wear and tear factor, I don't think he should be trying to do that. And I think he should be, quite frankly, trying to save some of that energy to being, you know, Defensive Player of the Year-esque type of guy, right? Um, that, that, that's a one. And a two, we talked about the day, uh, the Dame trade, the day it was executed. Again, this number bears repeating. The guy had a 120 offensive rating when he was on the floor in Portland last year. In Portland, with that crew. OK, and so like you put him next to a guy of Giannis's caliber before we even talk about, you know, Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez. uh, Like that's just going to be money in the bank offensively, uh, both, you know, hit aheads, uh, half court, of course. I'm not worried about it. And, you know, the bottom line is why I just I like them better than the Celtics is like, I think they'll be able to get stops against the Boston Celtics, period. That's it. (laughs) Like, in the playoffs, they're going to consistently stop whatever actions these guys are trying to run. Because I've seen defenses of varying calibers do this to the Boston Celtics in the half court, in the postseason, when the game gets um, shortened. It basically comes down to a long-range shooting contest with a bunch of guys who nobody would say, oh, the game should hinge on whether or not these guys are performing or not. Right. And that's that's just that's what it boils down to. I think, again, the combination of Brooke Lopez, Giannis and the crew are going to be able to string together a competent enough defense to stop. Giannis and the crew. That's right. That's right. That's right. To stop what these what what their most formidable opponents, particularly in the Eastern Conference, are going to want to do. And that's why I put them above.
0: Well, Dame is an underrated defender. As he's told us this off season, uh, I'm not sure
3: I necessarily
0: believe that. I, I my concerns are any new, and I, I think they're pretty obvious. Which is just yes in in a, a shootout, it'd be hard to go against Damon Giannis, Damian in particular. I just don't know who is playing wing defense on this team because yeah. I thought their biggest concern long running was obviously the creation and, and the biggest moments. Obviously, Dame solves that issue. The second one, which was far behind, but you know, still a pretty big concern was just the lack of flexibility on on defense. And if anything, they're now just cemented to to just going two bigs and, and funneling everything at the rim. I just like, who is the stopper going to be? You could say Giannis, and obviously in the playoffs, I expect him to take on that role more. But, like, it seems there's, like, a fundamental issue here where it's, like, if you use... It's similar to what we talked about the Cavs. You want to use Giannis as your wing stopper, then it takes him away from the basket where he's probably uh, most useful. And so, I don't know. I On one hand, I don't want to overstate that how much of a problem the defense is because the offense is just going to be just electric. But it's a problem, and I think in a series with the Celtics in particular, like a lot of guys, you're going to have to defend. And I don't know if they have like two, let alone one.
1: Well, let's let's do overstate it because that's kind of what we're doing here is we're water testing these contenders, right? We we laid out the case against the Suns, we laid out the case against the Celtics. What is the case against the Bucs? It's a lot of what you described. I do push back on the idea that they are locked into playing too big. I think we're going to see a lot of Giannis at the five. To be
3: honest. Just Crowder at the four, maybe?
1: I think so. I think
3: Crowder or Connaughton. I don't know if Crowder's a wing defender anymore. <laughs> I don't think that's the case. <laughs> he's looking particularly big. I'll say that. He never was he's
0: like a lockdown. Nikola Mirjic out there. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, he's
1: always been more of like a successful team defender than like a lockdown wing guy. And that's the best option they have at this point. Just, you know, other than like Pat Connaughton just like going pure effort, who he works hard, but he has his limitations. Clearly, incredibly athletic, just not a not a designated defender by any stretch. So, we can all agree, wing defense, perimeter defense in general, huge need for this team. And if you want to designate Giannis as the guy who's going to be your go-to wing stopper, not only does it pull him away from the basket, as you were saying, Justin, he just historically has not been that great at it, and maybe that can change if that's kind of what he knows he's going to be doing going into a season. Like Maybe that can be more of a strength of his game, but he, in his own way, for a defensive player of the year caliber player, does have some things to prove defensively with this group, just because his responsibilities are going to be so different.
3: Any swing players on the Bucs? I think it's Chris Middleton. Um, He missed so much freaking time last year. So, I, I mean, we don't know what condition he's in right now as far as... Any of that is concerned. I think it's going to be on him to anchor a bunch of non Giannis and or Dame lineups. Right. Um, He's going to be that other on ball guy when the offense isn't running through Dame and Giannis. And also, of course, you know, his spot up shooting with range is going to be just, you know, (laughs) incredible. Around Dame and Giannis pick and rolls, which I look forward to watching all season long. So to me, it's got to be Middleton. Uh, I think in the best of days, his defensive chops were a bit overstated, hey. um, just a, just a little bit <laughs> overstated, <laughs> and and um nowadays, like even more so, right? Especially when you consider stuff like lateral movement, um, and things of that nature. But again, he's he's always been one of the smarter guys in the league. Uh, he's gonna be in the right spots. Uh, I just think it's a matter of what his body's like, and 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 if his body is even close to right, this thing is gonna be rolling quite nicely. I like how Jason Tatum is
1: clearly the lightning rod for you guys. Chris Middleton is my third rail, so please have some respect, <laughs> or I will start screaming on this podcast. Was it not Malik Beasley? <laughs> That's not even a lightning rod. Like, just he can't he can't Malik guard Beasley anybody. Been
3: zapped. Yeah, he doesn't
1: make shots in meaningful games. But guess what? he's probably going to start for this team. And I don't even yeah. disagree that that's the a, a bad call. Like, I think that's right. probably a smart allocation of the resources that they have putting him with the starters. But I have to concede that Middleton is going to be the swing guy just because if he does get hurt, the Bucks have problems. And a contender can only take so much. Malik Beasley and campaign and Jay Crowder all at once. So they really need Middleton to just sop up those minutes because otherwise they don't have a lot of options. I think, some of the young guys we haven't quite talked about yet who could be a factor here. Marjon Beauchamp is one of those players who uh, I will say appeared in my notes last season a disproportionate amount relative to how much he actually mattered. He's just a guy who like pops up on your screens. Like, oh, he can, he can do some things with the ball. He's pretty clever. He's, he, like, I wouldn't say explosive, but like manages to, to slither his way into the lane in ways that I think could help if he gets consistent minutes. Will AJ Green be able to give them any consistent kind of shooting off the bench in, that, in a sort of Grayson allen role. We'll see if he's ready for that. And they picked up Ty Ty Washington on a flyer, to which I say, why not? You know, he didn't play well in Houston, but I think he has it in him to be a better shooter and, and playmaker than that. So we'll see if he can manifest that for the Bucs. Yeah. To Waz's long
0: running point about teams just aggregating draft picks and what happens when you aggregate too many that you can't even <laughs> roster them. Ty Ty Washington on the Bucks. I Cash believe Usman team. Garuba yep. is a two way guy on the Warriors. These are just all recent first round picks. I honestly think like the the big market teams are going to get better because a lot of these teams can't roster as many low first round picks as oh, wow. they actually have. So yeah, there's there's going to be a feeder system there where at a certain point, this spills over. I can't
3: and, wait for Poku to swing a championship. Yep. Could be this year. Maybe he could be the four <laughs> on the Bucks.
0: Um, All right, number one, Denver Nuggets. Wasn't all that close. Uh, Waz w- didn't want me to reveal this, but I actually had them, number two, on my ballot. Uh, the haters will say that it, that it was changed after the fact. Um, Waz, why don't you just have the floor, man?
3: Just... I mean, what is there to say, Justin? The (laughs) the team absolutely dominated every single opponent they faced in the postseason, right? All the stuff we're quibbling. I I seem to remember a series that Justin's favorite, the Celtics, played against the Hawks. It was like, what in the hell? What in the Sam Hill is going on with these Jokers, right? The Nuggets did the opposite. They just kicked everybody's ass up and down the floor. What happened in the first
0: round against the Wolves?
3: I don't remember what happened in the first (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember that series. I don't know what you're talking about. That was too long ago. I don't remember that series. I wouldn't
1: say they were in any kind of peril in that series.
3: No, not at all. It was looking dicey at the start,
1: but obviously they they lost fewer games.
3: But the Wolves definitely gave them a tougher fight than any of us anticipated that they would. And then, you know, they go on to dominate uh, Phoenix, who had, you know, Chris Paul had his injury struggles and, and all of that other stuff. And some people would say that Devin Booker was dealing with stuff at the end of at least, you know, half of game five and game six. Uh they obviously swept the Lakers. I know Lakers fans are saying one of the closest sweeps in the history of the NBA. <laughs> Put it on <laughs> a banner. That's that's a thing I've seen um yeah. you know Mister on Taylor social Swift. media. And then yeah. and then of course they you know they basically beat the hell out of Miami like a drum. Uh, obviously, losing Bruce Brown was big. Um, he played a pivotal role for them in the playoffs. I think the way that it's been described in certain corners, like you would think this guy was was freaking <laughs> the number two player on the team. He was important. He, he um, was sort of the glue guy to a lot of those bench units where he actually took over ball handling duties, right? Yes. When Murray and Jokic weren't on the ball and, you know, the stuff that he was doing on the offensive boards and the stuff that he was doing in transition, you know, being a zone buster. Like, he he played legitimately, you know, a big role. But I think they can get other guys to step in. And if, if not one guy to fill in for all of those things Bruce Brown was doing, they got guys that can supplement that, you know, piecemeal. And so I think the team that was the most dominant team in the playoffs, still relatively young, still have the MVP, two-time MVP, clearly the best player in the NBA in the playoffs last year, still on the team. Yeah, I got to think they're going to beat everybody again this year for the same reasons that they did last year. Yes, that's, that's my take. The Nuggets are going to do what they did last year again because they have all of their guys back. Save for Bruce Brown, and they have the best player in the NBA. The highs and the lows for this guy, it's like a freaking metronome, damn near. And when he's playing, he's playing at Wilt Chamberlain. We're talking about Jordan Chamberlain offensive levels every single night against the best defenses in the world. This is what we're talking about. This is who we're talking about. Yes. Denver, number one I again.
0: Go? the the counter arguments first.
1: I would love love to hear your counter arguments. Okay. Let me just state here first and
0: foremost, have the Nuggets number two. Clearly, as I said before, this is like a very close race between the top three in my eyes. I could see any of these three teams winning the title at this point. But really, my argument is the same one that I kind of had at the end of last season with the Nuggets. And then adding a little bit of the death stuff on top of that, which is just... Matchup wise, I think a team that can go five out is going to test them in the way that they weren't last season. I also think last season was just a weird scenario where a lot of the best competition for them was either dealing with injuries or dealing or just trying to find themselves, bringing guys in, sending guys out. And while I'm not going to affix uh, an asterisk to their title win by any means, I do think like if they win this title, then we're talking like, oh, this is the type of team that I think you guys are saying that they already are. Then they'll deserve your respect. Yeah, right. yeah which is more important than a second title, actually. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's harder to get. I'll say that. It's just when I look at them, I, I, I just see certain things that don't match the way people want to talk about them as if they're just infallible, world-beating dynastic 92 bulls level type of team. I think they're a very good team with certain flaws. And and the, the biggest thing, honestly, is that a lot of their competition got better over the off season. Unfortunately, I think they got worse because the depth is pretty shaky at this point. I don't know about the young guys. Maybe Peyton Watson is going to be just
3: wow, disrespectful. <sighs> oh my Lord.
0: Certainly Calvin Booth thinks those guys are going to be just like the next wave uh, in the way that the Warriors hope that the, the second track would would bear out. But like, I don't know, like an injury to Michael Porter Jr., for instance, a guy who's dealt with that in the past, like who's stepping sure. up in that place? I don't know. And like, I think that unknown is a bigger deal than, for instance, the Celtics, where the, obviously the, the numbers, the top six is bulletproof and infallible and, and you can't find any issues with them.
1: I think this is where <laughs> this perspective falls apart for me is... For these top four teams we're talking about, with the Bucs and the Celtics and the Suns, the Nuggets are by far the most vetted of those teams. It's not even close. Oh, sure. They, sure. They, They just aced every playoff test that was thrown at them in this last postseason. And previously, their best guys in particular have been amazing in their previous playoff runs. Jokic and Murray, amazing in previous playoff runs. I hear you on the bench. Like, their bench wasn't that great last season, and they just cruised to the title.
3: Yeah, people talking about the loss of Jeff Green. This guy was awful in the um, regular season. He did absolutely nothing for them in the regular season last year.
1: Useful in the playoffs, and they're going to need someone to step up in a similar capacity for sure. There's a difference between, like, a a solid
0: seven, though, and, like, a clear-cut five And question marks. Yes. Although Christian Brown,
1: let's
3: see. Yeah, And I have question marks about Michael Porter Jr. as good soldier, like I have my own reservations about his ability to (laughs) just be like, I'm gonna be cool just acing my defensive assignments and getting the scraps on offense whenever, whenever Jokic and Murray are done doing what they do. Like I have legitimate concerns about that. Like, I don't know, will that show up in the defense of a title, right? Like when they're trying to become immortal? Maybe, maybe not. I, I think there are things to be concerned about. You know, Bruce Brown making or breaking a championship. I just, I, I just find that very hard to believe. I just do. Some wild things were happening last postseason. I mean, Caleb
0: Martin was playing like prime Scottie Pippen. So, like, things happen in the course of a postseason. But, like, you know, th- these are the type of things that I feel like a lot of the other contenders that we're talking about actually kind of improved upon. And th- the Nuggets have taken a step back in that regard.
1: I just don't feel like those teams have actually improved upon how they match up with Denver. Like, none of them are better matchups for Denver. They've gotten better themselves, and maybe they've improved somewhat in what they already did. But I don't know. Like, even, Justin, you were saying, like, you're waiting for the Nuggets to play a five-out offense. Who is the five-out offense they're going to play? Boston. I mean, so, so then KP <laughs> is guarding Nikola Jokic? That's your yeah. plan?
3: Oh, I guess I
1: can man. see that. If, if, here's the thing.
0: Again, nobody's nobody's shutting down Jokic at this point. But if you're scoring with them, I think it's it's a big deal. And I also think it's a marginal improvement to pull him out of the basket and have him guarding on the perimeter, so you can't we can, just we, sit we all in agree the paint on that. Yeah, and use we, his scrim- yeah, for exactly. Sure. So like, and and so like, I do think those sorts of marginal, I guess deficits, I guess, are, are are steps back from what they were facing last season, whatever you want to call it. Like, I think that matters. Yeah. I would like to see them pass that test because like they're often talked about as if they like, oh, they, they beat everything they, they, that they could. It's like, no, they literally did. No, but
3: not all the potential matchups that they could. (laughs) Sure. They didn't beat 29 teams. That's fair. That's fair. And, and, and you might think that the matchup for five out is worse for them than everybody else. I just don't see it that way.
0: Yeah. I, I, I feel like I'm saying something very simple, which is like not. Every team is good against every single matchup, and yes. then yes. the instant blowback because because Denver and Jokic fans are like religious zealots at this point. Who like if you say <laughs> anything you about right. them, they'll, they'll pull out their pitchforks. Right. It's like burn
3: your ass at the state, Justin <laughs> right. I feel like right. Jokic
0: fans these days are like fish fans, where it's like you can't just be like a casual fish fan. It's like every fish fan has been. To fifty three concerts, they've oh, impregnated we- someone when they went to a, a, a concert in Sarasota, <laughs> and wow, there's just like it's such an extremist sort of approach. There's just it's just not okay to be a casual Jokic
1: fan, which is
3: where I would categorize myself. It's because Especially the you guys arrows are just so disrespectful. The yeah, arrows these are, that uh... get. These it are just the opinions so of crazy. Justin Barrier
1: and Justin Barrier
3: alone. Please add Justin Shout Barrier. Shout all the Fish fans that, that are listening <laughs> to the show. We don't hold those opinions. No. Big, but Big Fish no, guy but I, was. And, and the thing about Boston particularly, because, you know, they're the sticking point. Because, again, it's not just Justin. Like, you can go out and look at a bunch of the, the, like, preseason models, a bunch of these, like, all-in-one stats. Like, Boston is the number one team in the NBA. So it's not just Barrier that holds this opinion. And I don't think it's, like, unreasonable Um, if not ridiculous, right? Um, Just watching them actually do it on the floor every single year. Um, I just think Tatum and Brown as, you know, pull-up threats in the pick-and-roll. This is not Steph. This is not Dame. Hell, I don't even think they're like Kyrie on that level, on the, you know, pick-and-roll, ball-handling, pull-up threats behind the three-point line. I just don't think they present those problems. And if your five-out isn't doing that, I think Denver has figured out nice enough wrinkles to deal with people that try to spread them out really badly, right? And so that's why I'm just not too concerned. Now, if now if people want to talk about Steph against Jokic and you know, cause the last time Jokic played Denver, it was it got pretty nasty for Jokic on defense. It did. I'll be like, hey, yeah, you 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 on to something with there. Boston's pick and roll, man, this has never been a, a dangerous play. Like Against like good defenses, good set defenses this has never been a play that people are deathly afraid of. We'll see, Rob. We'll any see. swings?
1: I mean, of course, they, there are swing guys. We alluded to some of them. the The bench, we all have questions about. We're all waiting to see who's going to emerge from that group. the The Julian Strother hype train has already left the station. I kind of understand why, to be honest with you. I'm. I, I think I might be on it. I can't. I can't remember if my ticket got punched or not, but. He does look like he can give them some real minutes, but in terms of who's actually swinging Christian Brown, this is going to be a huge season for him, right? He's going from a guy who was allowed to fly around and make energy plays to now someone the team is counting on in a totally different way. And it's easy to kind of gloss over because he was one of the heroes of the playoffs, but there were games in that run where Michael Malone had to excise Christian Brown from the rotation. Because he was not presenting enough of a threat offensively, and he was making some young player mistakes—things you would totally expect him to do—he needs to be better than that on a game-to-game basis. Because now He's he going is in to that. Be, Rob, so I, I don't d- trust. I don't doubt it, but he is kind of in that Bruce Brown role, as has been talked about mut like a lot. And uh, I, I, it makes me wish they could maybe get one more guard just to take a little bit of that responsibility off his shoulders. And I think they're positioned to. They do have some picks to trade. I wonder if they can get a deal in the works for one more reliable guard because Reggie Jackson is not quite it. But if you can get into a Tyus Jones conversation, if you can get Monte Morris back in here, like there are lots of options for backup guards who could be really good for them and can make Christian Brown not have to do things he's not accustomed or comfortable doing. Like let him be a young player. Like let's let's get some of that responsibility off his shoulders by getting one more guy in here. But if not, I guess it's going to be sink or swim time.
0: High Priest Christian Brown of the higher order of the Denver Nuggets. Hallow <laughs> be thy name.
1: Um, <laughs> I still can't believe you have taken this tact with a team that just was, nuts. was just such Very, a definitive we'll
3: just champion. just not quit his nugget tape, but I love it. I love it. All right, I'll take the Scientology
0: test over <laughs> over the course of until we record the next podcast. Maybe I'll maybe I'll become a true believer. All right, let's wrap it there. This has been your preseason power rankings. Just ungodly amounts of of content. I think we need a couple days to come down off of this. But we will be back on Sunday for what will then be our regular day. Uh, Sundays and Wednesdays this year. Also, check out the playlist that Keith Fujimoto uh, built for us. It has all the episodes of this preseason power rankings. A lot of good stuff on there, so check that out. And check out the Ringer NBA on TikTok. Rob in particular is a big talk guy, so uh, make sure you check that out. Thank you to Isaiah Blakely on production. Thank you to Ben Cruz. We'll see you next time. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC Gambling problem, call 1 800 Gambler or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1 800 Next Step or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1 888 789 7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1 800 9 with it in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER in visit 1 1-8, visit 1-800gambler.net in West Virginia or call 1 1- in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8HOPENY or text HOPENY in New York. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look And versatile ABC
1: pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com.
2: There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more.